Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, if you have your Bible, would you open with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 17? I think the slides are in ESV, and today I grabbed an NIV Bible, so that's my bad. 90% of the time, ESV. I saw them laughing in first service, and I was like, well, working on four hours of sleep. Give me a break. (laughs) New baby. It's three days in. How old is he now? Six days. All right, well, never mind. Break's over. When you run your own church, you get about two days of paternity leave. That's how it works. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but we're, I'm going to be an NIV, ESV, same Bible, just, you know, word for word, thought for thought, whatever. But same Bible. Uh, but let, let's read together verse 17. It says this. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. It says some men came. In fact, I can just come. I'll read this right here. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed. Now we got the right one. A man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. It says, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. It says, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Pretty good so far. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And it said, and amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Amen, right? Today, I want to talk to you about lessons for breakthrough. Lessons for breakthrough. I want to talk about lessons for breakthrough in our life, in our heart. Now, this is not a model for breakthrough. Not every situation approaching Jesus follows this pattern that they follow. Sometimes Jesus encounters people and goes to them. Sometimes, you know, not every situation requires you to tear through a roof to get to Jesus. But there are lessons that we learn from Scripture that apply to us today. Amen? And so I want to I talk a little bit about that, but I want to go back to verse 17. Because there's some things that Scripture said in verse 17. It says, one day Jesus was teaching, and it says Pharisees and teachers were there. And it says they came from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Basically, they're saying that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came from all over to come see this guy who was teaching and who was preaching. And if you've been around church, you're like, well, of course, that's the model. It seems like everywhere Jesus goes, there's Pharisees there and there's teachers there. And so we're like, yeah, of course, like as if there's just roaming bands of them, you know, watching the streets. Like, they're, you know, they're like gangs or something. But this is actually a really big deal. Because the Pharisees were basically a non-priestly set of leaders who were who 
were charged or whose job, so to speak, was keeping the people faithful to God, the people of Israel faithful to God. And they took that very seriously. And some would say over seriously and had added all kinds of different things. But what this does tell us is that something big was happening, right? Because if you're a religious leader and your job is to kind of take, take the, the, the scope of life uh, in Judea of Jewish people and you hear about a Jewish man who's been teaching and who's been healing and who's been saying things like, I'm the son of God, you're probably going to take a long weekend and go down there and sort out what's happening, right? Fair. And so here's all these important people who've gathered around. But what does it say? It says that the power of God to heal was resting on Jesus. It was resting on Jesus. The power of the Lord to heal was on Jesus. And so verse 18 says there was these men who came and they, they were carrying a paralyzed friend on a mat. And they came to the house, but it was packed. How many of you were here on Easter? Raise your hand high. How many of you were here on Easter? Okay, and this is second service, so you were probably here second service then too. Second service was bananas getting in here. Shout out to everybody who was on our inside team who found seats. Great job. Kids, leaders, everybody. I mean, we had well over 300, 350 people come through here uh, with everybody who came through. It, it was a really a, a crazy day, uh, but it was packed, and I remember kind of looking in the back, and everyone was just standing around, I was like, well, that's all the chairs we own, so you're just, that's where you are. Uh, but there's something about it being packed. We're like, I guess I'm not going to find a seat. I guess I'm just kind of stuck out here. And we're like, man, we need a new building. And so the men get to the, the doorway, and they recognize that it's packed. But they say, you know what? We're not, we're not giving up. We're going to go up to the roof and try to get in. And I love that attitude, I got to say. Like, I love that attitude. Where they're like, we're going to go up to the roof, and we're going to pull away the tile, and we're going to let him down. In, in Luke, it says that um, they went up to the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles. That's like the most tame way you could say that, in my opinion. Lowered him through tiles, or they drop him heavily and he broke through? No. <laughs> no, the book of Mark tells us that they removed the tiles on the roof. And the word there is literally, they unroofed the house, which is awesome to me. <laughs> to unroof someone's home, because you want to get to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it probably wasn't great for the guy whose roof it was. But back in the day, they would have these homes, like a, like a one-story home. There's not a ton of light in, but what they would do is they would have these flat roofs, and uh, they, they would have a covering, and you could go up, and sometimes they would sleep on the roof under the covering when it was hot. And so there was always stairs, or there was often stairs going up so that you could be up on that roof space. And so they take the guy, there's a huge crowd waiting in the door, and they take the guy, and they go up to the roof, and they just start unroofing the house. I love this. Can I give you the first lesson for breakthrough here that I, I feel like we learned from scripture? Go with friends. As much as it can be helped, go with friends. As much as it can be helped, be the kind of friend that goes with others. Right now we like to be the friend on the mat who's being taken, but I'm saying be, be either. Be the person taking, be the person dragging, be the person lifting, be the person caring. Go with friends. And now when I say friends, often we think the way the world thinks, which is mutual interest people. 
go with people who have the same interests, likes, who follow the same social media, who have the same political opinions, right? Now, to be fair, those people are easier to be friends with. It's a lot easier to be friends with people you don't fight with ideologically, right? It's kind of nice. It's, it's easier to be friends with people who have similar interests. But I would have to say there's a deeper, deeper level of friendship called spiritual friendship. And see, spiritual friendship goes beyond worldly friendship that's just based off of interests or similar season. Though those are great friendships. I'm not knocking those. I'm just telling you that there's something better. You still with me? You're like, I have work friends. You're saying that's not, those aren't my friends? No. I'm just saying there's an even greater kind of friendship called spiritual friendship that's based on a pursuit of Christ. Can I tell you, some of my closest friends are not in my season of life, but we have the same spirit. Can I encourage you, churches, this morning real quick? If you are looking for friends, stop looking for season and start looking for spirit. Start looking for the same spirit. Because we might be in different seasons, but we have the same spirit. And we know Jesus Christ. So no matter what, when we're getting together, we're talking about the most important thing. We're talking about the most beautiful thing. We're talking about the thing that changes our lives. So we might be in different seasons, but we can still be brothers. We can still engage. We can connect deeper than somebody that, that likes the same football team as me. Right? We can talk on a certain level, but man, when it comes to the things of the Spirit, for some of us, for some of you, it's time to stop looking at seasons. You're like, I gotta find somebody exactly in my life season, exactly in the moment I'm in, because that's the way I'm gonna be built up. Can I just encourage you? It's about Spirit. It's not about season. Season can help, but Spirit builds. And this is what good friends do. Look at these guys. They carry each other to Christ. Good friends carry others to Christ. They're not just carried, they carry others. Good friends believe for one another's miracles. Good friends tear through obstacles for one another. Can I tell you, that's why I believe in small groups. I'm doing a small group, a men's group, with my dad, actually, uh, at this Starbucks at 6.30 in the morning which combines two things I could care less about, Starbucks and 6.30 in the morning, <laughs> right? <laughs> to be honest, to be totally honest, not my thing. Uh, but why do we do it? I do it because I've noticed something, and I've noticed in culture that, that men, that culture does not really seem to like you and me or celebrate your masculinity or how God created you to be men. And I believe that the world needs men. It needs men of God. It needs strong men who are guided by biblical principle and truth that have the true masculinity that comes from the Lord that you've been imbued with. I believe in you. I root for you. So I get up at 5.30 and I drive in here even though I want to sleep because I have a brand new baby and I know that's going to be a whole thing. But I come in here. Why? Because I believe in standing with men. And some days you're the guy on the mat and some days you're the guy holding the mat. But we need one another. Men, we need one another. Men, we need one another. You need someone to believe in you. Young men, you need someone to believe in you. You need someone who's gone through life, and, and, and older men who can come alongside you and say, listen, brother, I'm for you. And I'm for you being who everything God made you to be. The world needs men of God. But I don't care who you are. We need people to carry the mat. Can we just be honest, church? One of the downfalls of the church is we got a lot of people on mats, but not that many people carrying mats. Got a lot of mat carriers gone, not engaged, out and about. And that's fine. Man, there's a lot of mats. And I know because I see them. And what happens is then when you're on the mat, there's nobody to carry. Because we don't have a culture of carrying. Now at Banner, we're building a culture of carrying. 
and I love to see it. I love what this family does. But in the Western church, we struggle. There's not a culture of caring. There's a culture of laying on the mat. Who will carry me? They're like, let's just keep paying more people to carry. That's not it. That's not it. It's a desire to come alongside one another and say, listen, I want to be a good friend. I want to carry the mat. Or listen, I need a good friend. I'm on the mat. Go with friends. You still with me? They tore apart the roof to get the miracle. I love that. They get to the roof. They're like, this is an obstacle. And then that one guy who's really got some stones is like, no, we're ripping this roof apart. We're going to unroof this baby. Right? I love That would have been me. Like, we get to the roof. They're like, yeah, but look at this tile. I'm like, I've tiled before. We'll retile it. It's fine. Rip it apart. They won't mind. Right? Like, if you can, you can get healed by Christ, I mean, like, if you catch a case, it happens, right? No, don't do anything illegal for Jesus. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. We haven't gotten there in this society. But what I love is this attitude that says, I'm not going to let anything keep me from Christ. All joking aside, all four hours of sleep of me aside, the lesson for breakthrough that we see in the Word of God is don't let anything keep you from Christ. The men see the crowd and they're like, we're getting in. They see the roof, they're like, nope, we're still getting in. How many of us, though, will allow obstacles, or maybe even obstacles we've been stuck with, will allow them between us and God? Maybe it's sin. We've allowed a sin to, to, to really be between us and God. God's not put it there, right? Or like the paralyzed man did not put the roof there, but it was still an obstacle. Right? This, this is life. We would talk about this when we talk about go, going to therapy. My, my mother is a, is a therapist and she's a Christian counselor and therapist. And we talk about this. Like, there are times where trauma and things are done to you. Sometimes there are things we, we, we do to ourselves. But regardless, the obstacle, the thing is there and it has to be dealt with. It can't just stay that way or else you just stay outside of the room. You stay outside of where that healing is. You stay separate. There are things that have to be dealt with. So maybe you're here today and it's something that you keep returning to. It's a sin. It's a selfishness, it's a pride. Or maybe it's something that was done to you. It's a trauma. Maybe it's a church hurt. Maybe you grew up in church and that taught you all you needed to know about not being involved with Jesus. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a fear. I don't know what that obstacle is. But can I just encourage you, some of you today, God has brought you here so that you can begin by the power of the Holy Spirit to strip away those tiles, those things that separate you from an encounter with Jesus. Some of you have come to church for like a hundred days and still there's that thing. You leave the same way you came because there's still something that separates that God's saying, listen, I want to begin to strip it away. And that's why we're the church is because we're supposed to come together as friends and we're supposed to pray together and believe together that God would begin to remove those things, that God would begin to strip those things away, that God would begin to open that up as we say, listen, I'm not afraid. I'm going to begin to take those things away and I'm going to lay my sin at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to confess my sin to my brother, to my sister, and before God. I'm going to say, this is the thing that has been holding me back. This is the thing that I keep going back to, but I'm going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Are you with me? Don't let anything keep you from Christ. I love verse 19. It says, he was lowered into the midst before Jesus. Those are some scary words. Every introvert just had a mild panic attack. Think about that. In the midst, meaning like there was a whole crowd of like all the people who could likely prosecute you in a way, and you just ripped this dude's roof apart, or at least opened it up. Some rooms had the option. You could pull the tiles off, you know? So who knows? But needless to say, you interrupted what was happening, 
right? And so in front of everybody, and you're paralyzed, you can't move. So in front of everyone, your unmovable body is lowered down before Jesus, right? You now have no control over what's happening, and you are right at the feet of Jesus in the midst, in the midst. I don't care how extroverted you are, that's scary, right? You could be king, queen, extrovert. In the midst can be scary. And honestly, some of us, the greatest obstacle for believing and building faith for God to move in our life is simply embarrassment. Like, I'll never come to an altar call because I don't want people to see me as I am. Right? I don't want, I, I'm that paralyzed guy who's just laying on the roof, just feeling dusty. They've been tearing through. I'm feeling dirty. I'm feeling, in many ways, lifeless, helpless, and I don't want to look all helpless and lifeless and dusty in front of the whole church. These are like religious, good church people. And then the person next to you is thinking, I don't want to look dusty and dirty and helpless before all these church people. These are good church people. Then the person behind you is thinking, I don't want to look. And then the person in front of you is thinking, right? They're all thinking like, well, these are good church people. Everyone is like group thinking, I don't want to look a certain way in front of everyone else. And guess what? It keeps us from what God wants to do because we're unwilling to step out into faith. And yet what I love about this man is he just did not seem to care at all. He just wanted Jesus. And we need a little bit of that. Not to be major distraction, but just willing to be uncomfortable, willing to be inconvenienced, willing to not be afraid, but to step in in faith and believe in what Jesus wanted to do. And that's what happens. It says, when he saw their faith begin to speak to them. That's an incredible phrase. Did you see that? Jump with me back in your, into the Word of God if, if you're there still. It says uh, in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith. That's an incredible statement. Jesus saw, he recognized, he observed their faith. They tore through the roof, and it didn't just say about the man's faith, it said their faith, meaning the group. The group had faith. And we'll talk in a second. That confesses something important. You still with me? That confesses something important about what's happening. We learn about their motivation because of the context of what Jesus is seeing and saying. So we learn about what they're doing based off what Jesus is saying. And what we begin to learn is that before Jesus says anything, he recognizes that these men had faith. Lesson for breakthrough. You ready? Breakthrough begins when we trust that Jesus is Lord. On the surface, on, on, the, on the obvious level, the men came because Jesus is healing, right? But when Luke is writing his gospel, Luke has a very strong Christology. He has a very strong uh, writing about who Jesus Christ is. And so inherent in this moment is what Luke is trying to teach us here. And specifically what Luke is trying to teach his audience. And what Luke is trying to teach his audience is that Jesus as a healer is part of understanding and recognizing Jesus as God. So when they come to Jesus as healer, they're recognizing and their faith is recognizing that he is also God above all those things. That part of him is a healer, but he's God. So that's why it says Jesus saw their faith because they're not just coming to him as like a magician or a faith healer, which there were actually in those times. 
But he's coming, and they're not coming to him because he's a teacher. They're not coming to him because he's like a unique spiritual guy. They're coming to him because, yes, he's a healer, but in writing that they, they came to be healed, Luke is, is trying to write in all of the Gospel of Luke that Jesus is the Son of God who has come to heal. Are you with me? That when Jesus says he recognized their faith, that what he's recognizing is that they are confessing the authority and the power and the lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. They're recognizing that Jesus is Lord or Messiah as much as they can understand it. And so they believe that he's more than a healer. And so Jesus recognizes that these actions are confessing the faith of their heart. Right, James says, faith without works is dead, right? Often what we think about that is like, well, works are the thing like we water our faith with to like keep it strong and prove that it's any good, right? But that, that's not really it. Faith is, is the fruit of a life, or sorry, <clears throat> works are this active fruit of a life that is being grafted into Christ. So if Jesus Christ is the vine and we're the branches when we're grafted in, the fruit of that is that we engage in the works that he's prepared for us that we see the fruit of God manifest in our life through what he set us out to do. Which is why, though the miracle happened in the house, it began in the heart. This thing you got to know about miracles, you ready? They happen in the house, they happen in a moment, but they begin in the heart. When I was little, I think I struggled to think of uh, people in the Bible as like characters. Anyone have like the little felt board? And little characters. And that's hard because then you think of them like characters. Like, I watched so much VeggieTales, so sometimes I just think of people in the Bible as fruits and vegetables, right? I'm like, nope, they were human dudes, right? It's like, then when you start understanding that they were just a bunch of bros, then you understand why they were a mess. Because if me and 11 of my dudes were hanging out unsupervised for three years, it would have been chaos. The fact that Jesus kept 10 dudes on the level the whole time is a miracle, right? <laughs> That's the first miracle, right? But we think of them as characters, but they're not characters. They're real people, right? They lived lives. They had jobs. They had families, right? They were, they were dudes. So they, they got together. They had conversations. They talked. So it's not like they just spawned on the scene like a, like a video game guy who when you die, you get respawned back into, I don't you know, Modern Warfare or whatever the game is, right? Call of Duty. There we go. You're not like respawned. They, they lived full lives in, in, in this moment, and then they lived after this moment. And so what I think is amazing is they would have had to have a conversation about this, right? Where did the faith begin? It could have began. Again, Scripture doesn't tell us. So I'm saying it could have as we understand people. It could have began at work, right? Whatever, fishing, I don't know what they did. Saying, who is, who is this guy Jesus, right? Have you heard of this guy Jesus? Someone from town starts like healing people, right? Raising people up from the dead? You talk about it. I don't care how big your hometown is, right? You talk about it. Who is this guy? Maybe it began at dinner with friends. Like, hey, this dude's healing people. And uh, look at uh, Derek over here. Needs to get healed, right? Derek's like, yes, please. I would like that. Maybe it began around the fire with family saying, man, could this be the Messiah? Maybe he's Elijah. Maybe maybe somebody. Could this be the Messiah? I, I don't know. Maybe it began at the door. Maybe it began in the moment that one of the friends just kicked the door open to the home. You know those friends who can run into your home and you won't shoot them, right? You know those people? 
like home defense goes down because you know and you trust them. Or like if I came into your guys' house, you know, I wouldn't be worried about Carter, but somebody else, you know, you never know, right? <laughs> Maybe it began in that moment where, where he runs into the house and he begins to say, hey, that guy Jesus that we were talking about, he's in town. We have to go, right? We have to go see him. You got to grab Derek. You got to get the mat. We're going to get our dudes and we're dragging him there. Like I have work. I don't care if you have work. We're going to see Jesus because I heard that he's doing something that we need and we need Jesus. Maybe it began on the way. Maybe faith really began. Maybe it grew on the way, right? There's that friend who's always late. He's holding the back of the mat. They're like, come on, man, we gotta go. You're always late. We can't be late for Jesus. We gotta make it. If we don't get there, I've heard there's a crowd. There's like a whole thing. It's gonna be sold out. We're not getting in the door. We gotta go. Maybe... Maybe it began in the heart of the man who maybe for the first time thought, maybe this is my day. Maybe this is my day, right? Maybe this is my day. My friends have always been great to me, but I feel like a burden on my friends. I can't work a job. I can't do what I want. I can't have the family I want. I've missed out on, maybe this is the day. My family is, is nice. They don't say I'm a burden, but I feel like I'm a burden. I feel like I've done something. I feel like God doesn't see me. Maybe this is the day. You feel like that? Maybe this is the day. For some of you came in thinking, maybe this is the day. I think it grew outside the door. When they got to the door, they said, sorry, man, you can't come in. It's too packed. And then one of the buddies said, no, we're getting in. Because what you do is you got a bunch of dudes here. We're tearing through this wall to get our homie to Jesus, right? They said, well, maybe don't go through the wall. We just painted those. I said, fine, we're going to the roof. They're like, wait, no, okay. And maybe it grew when they began to tear away the tile. They began to think, okay, God, please. Well, we, we don't care what happened. They climbed the steps. That We don't care what happens to us. We just need our friend to get to Jesus. Maybe it grew when they begin to pull those tiles away, saying, you know what? We might get into trouble for this, but God, would you just please heal our friend? Would you heal our friend? He needs you. We love him, and we know that we know and we believe that you love him. God, God, we need to break through this, and just every obstacle they begin to tear away. Why? It wasn't for them. It was for their friend, because they had faith that the man inside could heal him. They had faith that the man inside, Jesus, was exactly who he said he was, so they were willing to go through the pain of tearing away those things and moving away those things in the the work and the effort and the striving and, and all of that because they knew that the one inside could change everything. Maybe it grew as they, as, they, as they looked down into the room and they saw the eyes of Jesus looking up to him. And I can't even imagine what it would be like to literally look into the eyes of Jesus, the eyes of perfect love. I mean, I've looked at a lot of people in the eyes, but never somebody who has like perfect love perfect love. Imagine looking someone in the eyes who was perfect. Imagine the kind of peace and joy and love they would look back at you with. And it's like, okay, get the, we're lowering him down. He's going in, right? I don't know how they did it. It had to be awkward, right? Move, moving, who knows, but they lowered him down. Maybe it began and it grew as they lowered their friend at the feet of the Savior and, and, and their friend looked at the Savior, Jesus Christ, in the eyes Amidst all these people, all these leaders, all these authorities, and he looked him in the eyes, thinking, I'll, I'll, if he just says it, if he just does it, I'll, I'll be healed. 
I don't know where it began exactly, but we know that at some point it began, and at some point it grew. See, the miracle, the breakthrough, it can happen in an instant as we encounter Christ, but oftentimes it grows. Right, it happens in an instant, but it grows like an infant. Like, like we just had our, our, our baby this week, but that was something that grew, right? That birthed and then cried out. There's a cry of longing, of hope that is birthed as, as faith begins to grow, as hope is planted and faith grows. It, it, it breaks through and there's a sense of, God, I believe in you. See, the breakthrough begins in belief. When we believe that Jesus is Lord, when we believe that he's God Almighty, when we say, I'll do anything to give everything to Jesus because he's all I need, that's what this is about. It's about Jesus. I'll do anything to give everything to Jesus. And when we say that, some of you are at that point today. Man, like, you're like, I'm just learning about Jesus. But I... But I'm beginning to believe that he is who he says he is. And can I just say, that's amazing. I don't know what the, what the timeline of the miracle that God wants to do in your life is. I believe it can happen now. But can I tell you, there's nothing more precious than the work that he begins in our heart through faith. We begin to say, God, I trust in you. And we go into his word and we go into prayer and we just say, God, I trust in you. I trust in you, Lord. I don't know, but I believe and I trust in who you are. That seed of hope is planted how many of you are thankful for the seed of hope of Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. Think of this scene now. Okay, pause. Think of this scene. The roof broken. The teaching interrupted. The leaders mad. But the man at the feet of Jesus. Worked out. Can I just say, I don't care how you get to the feet of Jesus as long as you get there. <laughs> right? He transforms, he changes, he renews. If you gotta run there, if you gotta crawl there, if you gotta roll there, I don't, whatever you gotta do, whatever you gotta break through, whatever you gotta tear away, right? As long as you get there. Jesus is looking at the man and looking at his friends, and he sees their faith. And you would think the next step, if you're writing this thing, you would go, the next step is Jesus looks at him and he says, You're forgiven. And he doesn't say that at all. He says, or you would think he would say, you're healed. But instead he says, you're forgiven. See, it even messed me up. And I wrote the sermon. <laughs> There's four hours of sleep working right here. I think that's an interesting moment. Okay, here he is. Man's lowered. Jesus probably knows what he's looking for here. To be healed, right? Because he's paralyzed. So unless they're roping him back up, you got to do something with him. Because he's got to get out of the house. <laughs> right? not going to just crowd surf him out and dump him in the street, right? <laughs> well, that'd be, yeah. But he says your sins are forgiven. This is so important. Lesson for breakthrough. You ready? Jesus has already broken through the darkness for you. This is so important. Jesus has already broken through. The greatest breakthrough has already occurred. And that's the breakthrough of Jesus from the grave. That is the most important thing. See, the men came to find a way to Jesus, but Jesus had already come to be the way for them. The men came hoping to find Jesus, but Jesus had already come as the hope of the world in order to seek and save the lost. See, Jesus has come so that anyone who makes a confession of faith, who, who believes in their heart and declares that Jesus is Lord, 
would be saved. Your sins are forgiven. That, that he took the weight, the debt of our sin and our shame upon himself. That the wrath that was meant for us, that he took because of his great love. And in so doing, has given us eternal life and a full life here on earth. Man, it would be sad. And the Bible would be kind of lame if Jesus just came to heal bodies but never souls. Right? Imagine finding somebody uh, by the side of the road who had been run over by a car and who was bleeding out, and you took a bandage and you wrapped up part of their hand, and you said, good, I fixed it, and then you left. You fixed part of it, but did you save the life? See, Jesus came to save our life. Healing us is part of what he does because he's a loving God. It's part of what reflects that loving nature to a physical world as he heals physical needs. But his first thing is to save our soul. Hear me. Jesus' first priority is that you would come to know him as Lord and Savior, that you would be saved and transformed and be made new. That's why he came. So that anybody, you know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior, did you know that your eternity is secured in the Most High God. If you'd say, I begin to follow you with my life, I give you everything, your eternity is secured. The old is gone, the new has come in Jesus Christ. You're like, that sounds easy. No, it's just supernatural because of who Jesus is. So the paralyzed man's probably surprised. He says, sins are forgiven. That's because Jesus knew exactly what he needed because he saw his faith. Look at verse 21. If you've got your Bible, just jump there. It says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is... Uh, let me read this. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, okay, he didn't read their minds. He's not like reading their minds, but he's perceiving their thoughts as one who's full of spirit and understanding and who is fully God and fully man. But he's not omnipresent in this moment. But he, but he perceived their thoughts. He answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Next slide. Perfect. Which is easier? Thank you, Jordan. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. That's a crazy—he says, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Now, as humans, it would be easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven, because I have no say in that. But if I say get up and walk, there's like immediate consequence, right? Because if you come in paralyzed and I say get up and walk, and then poof, you're down on the ground, we got a crowd surf you out, you're going to be furious, right? Immediate consequence. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. When he says what's easier to say, he means what's easier to say with authority and power so that it happens, right? Meaning what's easier to do, forgive sins or tell somebody to walk? It's much more difficult to forgive the sins of the world. How do we know that? Because there's only one who could do it, and that's Jesus Christ, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Man cannot forgive sins. The vortexes in Sedona cannot forgive your sins. You can, you can have an awesome spiritual experience in nature. Nature reflects the glory of God. You can have an incredible experience in nature. Amen. you're like, oh my gosh, this is a very spiritual experience in nature. But it cannot save, your, save you from your sins. It cannot redeem your soul. You can, I've been to some incredible places that are built by the hands of man, temples all around the world, right? I, 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 I've studied this comparative religion. I understand. And you can be like, wow, that was really impactful. But it is not a relationship. It's not a savior that can save your soul. Only one 
person, Jesus Christ, can save your soul. And that's why he says, I'm going to heal this guy so you see that I'm about what I'm about, right? So you can see me talk the talk and walk the walk, which is important because the Jewish people at the time had a principle that said, if you're a liar, God will not help you supernaturally. That was a principle that they had. It's in the book of Maccabees that's developed later. If you are a liar, God will not help you. And so he says, all right, let's flip the cards on the table and see who's telling the truth or not. And so he's like, get up and go. The guy's like, okay, and stands up and leaves, showing that Jesus is about what he said he was about. Amen? And this is something important about miracles. In a world of all kinds of YouTube and spirituality, can I just tell you this? True miracles always point to the message. He was healed to show that Jesus was the Son of God. The miracles secured the authority of the gospel and its speaker. And hear me, if a miracle points to human pride or glorification or personality, it's probably just demonic. There's all kinds of spiritual authority in the world. Maybe it's God moving through somebody, and I don't know. Who knows? But we know a true miracle when it points to Christ, when it points to the gospel, when it's confirmed in his word. Amen? It's true to the Lord. In this case, the miracle validated that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's what makes miracles so great. They're a testimony to God's goodness. They're visual evidence to the move of God in our lives. If you guys were here, when some of the testimonies that have been shared are amazing. Like just recently, someone came up and shared, I was going to take my life. Jesus healed me and made me new, and all those things are gone. I'm restored. Isn't that amazing? That's not, that's not for my name. That's not for the name on this building. That's for the name of Jesus, right? It says Jesus is the one who, who raises the dead to life. He's the restorer of life. That's what testimony does. That leads us to the last lesson for breakthrough, which is this. An encounter with Jesus changes everything. Man, you guys can come. An encounter with Jesus changes everything. Look at verse 25. I'm going to read it from the screen again because I think that's working. Verse 25 says this. And immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately, he, the man, rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Amen? As would, as would all of us, right? It says immediately he grabs his mat and he goes home. But how does he go? Does he go back to the roof? How does he go out? He walks out. He walks out. Think about this. What's happened in the past? I don't know. However long it's been, 30 minutes? I don't know how long this took. He was lowered through the roof, but he walked out the door. Everybody who he could not get past to get in watched him walk out in his blessing and in his miracle, right? He was lowered in. His friends are up there trying to put the tiles back. Like, oh my gosh, they're going to kill us. Right? But like, it doesn't matter. They probably left it and just bounced, right? Like, we're going to go get some barbecue, right? They just rolled out. <laughs> but that is a powerful moment that he left the sickness at the feet of Jesus and he walked out with his mat. He walked out with his message, with his testimony that pointed to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. See, church, this is why we're here this morning. So that some of you could push through to tear away by the power of the Holy Spirit, tear away whatever is holding you back from an encounter with Jesus Christ. That for the first time you begin to take away those scales, those tiles, those separations, those obstacles, and begin to lay them aside and say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything, to lay everything at the feet of Jesus, so that in, in the deepest place in your heart of hearts that you would be restored and renewed by the Most High God, so that you would walk out of here in this place, like the paralyzed man, who though he was lowered to a crawl in, 
walked out full of the Lord. That's why we're here. We're not here to check a box. We're not here because I like getting up early. I already told you I don't. We're not here because everyone here had nothing better. We're here because we believe that an encounter with Jesus changes everything. We're here together because like those friends, some of us today are on the mat and some of us today, man, it's time to carry the mat. Some of us are here today and you're like, I'm on the mat. I need someone to carry me in. I need to step in. And some of us are here, we're like, we've been praying for you. We've been waiting for you because God wants to do something in your life. And we've been believing for you that as you would say, maybe that thing is just fear. And you're like, you know what? Like, we want to be with you in that. You're like, I got some things in my life I can't seem to, 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 to take away. And someone on our prayer team wants to come with you and they want to say, listen, let me join you. Let me pray for you. And as we pray, we're going to pray. Those things are going to begin to be stripped away. And you're going to come in and have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You're like, I don't have the strength to do it. My family, I need Jesus to move in my family. But there's some bitterness. There's some frustration. And I can't, I just can't seem to get that apart because I feel paralyzed by it. And we're saying, listen, you don't need to. We're here and the Spirit's here to do it with you, to begin to pull those things away. That's why we come to the altar. That's why we have prayer team, right? It's because we want to stand with you and believe. We want to believe for God to do a miracle in your life. And some of you, can I just say, you've been here too many Sundays and left feeling just the same. But today is the day that you have an encounter with Jesus Christ and walk out changed. That you walk out changed. You're going to go from a mat sitter to a mat carrier for somebody else because God's going to do something in your life. Have faith that encounter with Jesus Christ will change your life forever. I have faith that God is always renewing. I was, I was this week, I was, I was at the hospital and we were, uh, you know, having this baby and it's just, you know, I don't really do anything, right? I'm just there. Uh, so I was just, you know, praying, and I was thinking over this scripture. I was thinking over it, and I, you know, it's funny. As you preach, God preaches to you, and oftentimes you're preaching to yourself so much, right? And I was thinking, I'm like, okay, God, like, what, what are those tiles that maybe separate me from really having that deeper encounter with you? Because, man, I see what you're doing. I just, I just want more of you. And I was reminded of some, just some past experiences and some things that people had said and done to me that I was like, you know, and I was like, man, I thought I was over that. And I was like, turns out I'm not. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to, Holy Spirit, would you just help me pull these things away, just to strip these things away and throw them away? Because I want to I encounter you. I want to walk with you like never before in a deeper way than ever before. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter if you're brand new to this or you're the pastor of the church. God is always doing this work. He's always doing this work. The enemy says, oh, don't come up. They're going to think some things on you. Like, you work there. But does it matter? I work here, and I'm telling you, God does that work in my life. So God, whatever separates me from you, whatever I've allowed, I just, I don't want to peel that away. I just want to come in and, and meet with you. Because my final lesson for breakthrough is that healing is here because Jesus is here. Healing is here because Jesus is here. I know we're running late, but would you stand with me this morning? do some kind of symbolic today. Our prayer team, kind of like those friends on the roof who help peel the things away. They're like, like those friends who say, listen, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna help carry you in. We're not taking no for an answer, but in a loving way, not in a performance way, in a way that says, I love you. We're family, right? We're family. 
or family. That's what our prayer team is this morning for you. But today, I just believe God wants to do something in, in your lives or in your families, in your home. I'm not sure what it is, but I believe that God wants to begin to do things. You've said, I feel like there's been a separation. Maybe for you, maybe it's a reoccurring sin. Maybe it's a, a frustration. Maybe it's an exhaustion. I feel like it's just, just separate. And you say, you know what? I, I want to strip that away. I think there's a unifying moment that God wants to do right here at the altar this morning. So in fact, Holy Spirit, I just invite you into this moment right now. I invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to move in this moment, in this place, that those who feel like they were just crawled in, dusty, hurting, that they would be able to walk out full of grace this morning, full of the Spirit this morning, like never before. Maybe they've been here. This is their first time. Maybe it's their hundredth time, God. I believe you want to do a work right now in their life, a work of joy. There's a spirit of joy. Holy Spirit, I recognize there's a spirit of joy here right now in this place. It's not a spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit of freedom that happens in a unifying act. So if you're here this morning, I'm going to invite you forward in just a second. If you're here and you're saying, you know what, I want that kind of breakthrough. I want to encounter Jesus maybe for the first time, maybe like, like me sitting in the hospital, like, you know what, there's some things I, I need to just be stripped away so I can just more deeply engage with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's not to earn that relationship. It's just I don't want anything to keep me from it. I got some bitterness, right? I'm just like, want someone to pray with me this morning. If that's you, it's in a moment of freedom. Would you just come forward as our band plays? If you're like, you know what? I have, I just, I need God to do something in my life, and I want to strip some things away right now. Just come forward right up here to the altar. I invite you, Holy Spirit. We're going to give you a second to pray and respond right now. Just come forward right now. Sure. It might be. Maybe you're weary and you're like, you know what? I just got some weariness hanging on me. I got some things hanging on me. Maybe in your family. Maybe it's a relational thing. You're like, man, I, I just feel paralyzed. Man, maybe it's a reoccurring sin. Come on. Men of God, maybe it's a reoccurring sin that limits your leadership and your family. And right now you're like, you know what? I don't want to walk out the door. I'm tired of walking out the door with this. Maybe it's anxiety this morning. You're like, why am I walking out the door of the church anxious every week? I, I need to pull those things away. I want someone to come with me and to pray right now this morning. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pray over you, and then I'm going to release our prayer team to come around, and they're going to pray with you, not just over you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to ask you, what can I pray with you for? And they're going to pray with you. But I want to pray over you, and then our team is going to lead us this morning. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now. And I ask that you would move upon every life. God, whatever that is, we just, we make a commitment. Those at the altar and those gathered here, even if they couldn't come to the altar, we just make a commitment together. We're like those friends. We long to see our friends break through. We long to see them encounter you like never before. So I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, we come into these places and we say, would you begin to strip away every obstacle, every fear, every doubt, every worry, and would you do a miracle right now in the name of Jesus? Prayer team, I just release you. Come right now. Begin to pray. Begin to ask. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. The God who loves and is to come. The power of the risen one. The God who brings the dead to life. You're the God of miracles. You're the God. Ah! 
listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.